Welcome fellow pilots and other podcast listeners to another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman, Captain David Campbell. As many of you are probably aware, ALPA recently suggested to enter into private mediation to see if we could further these negotiations. Those talks ended three days ago on Monday, and today on the podcast, we'll talk about that. To help me, I've asked your MEC Chairman, Captain Will McQuillan, to come in, as well as Negotiating Committee Chairman Chris Gruner and Strategic Planning Chairman Ronan O'Donohue. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks, David. Thank you. Thanks, David. Will, I'll ask you to start us off. How would you describe these mediated discussions? Well, I think, sadly, we saw very little forward progress on the facilitated talks with our private mediator. While we were able to reach some agreement on lower tier issues, we were not able to make forward progress on the issues that are most critical to pilots, in particular in the areas of job security and, of course, in scheduling flexibility. And while there are no future dates scheduled, I want to assure the pilots that we have heard from them and that we consistently throughout that process of facilitated talks advocated for your priorities. We've heard from you. We're not wavering on advocating for your priorities. As we've said a thousand times, the polling is consistent. The direct feedback that we get from the pilots is consistent. And the exit interviews that we receive from the pilots who are leaving are consistent in their feedback, that these issues have got to be addressed. The bar has to be met. And that message has been very, very consistent. But I think what's inconsistent has been Alaska's belief that they can somehow talk the pilot group into believing that they should accept less than their peers in subsidizing their business plan. They're always trying to talk the pilots into believing a different narrative than the pilots have advocated to us. And rest assured, we know where we need to be, and our driving commitment to that goal has not moved. It's unwavering. Yeah, and Will, and I just want to emphasize, too, uh, we are willing to continue meeting, but what we need to get from the company is concrete commitments that they're actually willing to address these issues. So it doesn't matter what process we do. It's not going to work if the company doesn't believe that these issues need to be addressed adequately for the pilots. Chris, I think that's a really good point. It doesn't matter what process we use, but as long as we're talking about process, could you explain the the difference between the kind of mediation that we just went through versus, say, the National Mediation Board mediation? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a very important distinction because um, what we just went through was basically a third party facilitating talks between the two parties. And there was no requirement or commitment or power from that third party to require the parties to do anything. It was really just us, you, you know, I will talked about it in your previous letter, um, offering the company an opportunity to try to bring the parties together to see if we can find pathways towards an agreement, to see if we were looking at the end state maybe about the same, but you know, we just couldn't find how to get through some of these process issues. And it provided clarity for us, which, uh, you know, is frustrating for us, but it's useful because it helps us determine our way forward. And we're able to determine that, I mean, and particularly in scope job security, that the company is not willing to go where we need to go. You know, they're not willing to meet the market and give us the same assurances on our future that our peers enjoy. So that's the process we just went through. RLA mediation is a completely different thing. So you, you go, you know, the mediator then is going to dictate the tempo, the pacing of the talks. There's different things they, they can do to try to bring the parties together. That's a separate thing, and we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, and I think one thing I want to mention there, David, is that when we speak of process issues, 
that is one thing. It's like if two parties can't effectively problem solve or constructively problem solve together, that's a process issue. And we thought maybe there was part of the problem being that we just didn't have the means to communicate effectively. But process issues only work when each party understands where it is that we need to go. And that is obviously the problem that we're dealing with here is that there's a, a definite, on the company's part, reluctance to acknowledge or understand or see clearly, as we've advocated for years now, that they need to go and need to come to market when it comes to some of these really critical pilot issues like job security and in job protection in scope. Yeah, and it goes back a long ways. When we were going into the JCBA negotiations, if you remember the big issues that were on the table there, it was job security and work rules were big pieces of it. And neither of those got addressed adequately. So if you remember, the arbitrator put 76 seats and 86,000 pounds aside. And then the union advocated to have scheduling work rules dealt with outside of the arbitration process. Then we move forward out of that and scheduling work rules, the scheduling flexibility negotiations didn't move in a way that really fixed pilots concerns. I mean, if we look at that, one of the big things that was negotiated was the third step process, which still is not implemented. And the other ones were smaller issues, which were nice, but didn't fundamentally affect and change the broad scheduling issues that we needed addressed. Then I think another issue, and this is important, right? We had 76 seats, 86,000 pounds on the table for scope. And then shortly after that arbitration decision, we started getting 89,000 pound aircraft. So if there's a reason that we need to be concerned about not having parameters on our future, on our job security, and where we expect to be as this company grows, I think that's a perfect example. And I think we probably, we've actually, it's been so long and we've hired enough pilots that may not even understand the concept of what you just mentioned, that third step process, which was just another piece of scheduling flexibility in terms of real time trading, not, uh, this would be part of the step process, not uh, like the traditional open time trading, but a real time opportunity for pilots to trade on a first come, first serve basis and adjust their schedules. It was committed to, funded, and not executed on. And what's really frustrating, I think, as well, is um, that arbitration happened at a time when other contracts were making significant gains in this area because it was needed after those bankruptcy contracts. And instead of working through these issues, whether it's in Section 6 or not, it really doesn't matter. But these issues need to be addressed, and it just has not happened. You mentioned it gave you clarity. Can you speak more about what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, and we're really trying to just achieve clarity on where the company's stance is on these big issues. So that's something we've been driving since February. You know, we want to continue to work through lower tier items and we we're able to do that successfully on a couple of things. So I do want to say that that was something that was important and beneficial, but really we're not going to move this contract forward unless, you know, we can make progress on those job security and those work rules issues that are so important to the pilots and in a meaningful way. So this gave us clarity that the company's not willing to move or ready to move yet in a way that um, achieves your expectations. Yeah, one of the big frustrations is that the company has promised shareholders that they're going to be working hard to get value for them, you know, through dividends and then stock buybacks as soon as they are able to do so. Now, broadly, getting value for the shareholders is fine. 
don't have a problem with that, but we would like to see the same commitment for the pilots. We'd like to see a company that's invested in their employees, listens to what their concerns are, and uses that company also to provide value in a way that their employees expect. It's a really good point, Chris. And to add to that, what really I find very, very frustrating about this whole thing is it has literally just been a little over a year since all of the labor groups, all of the labor unions on property here at Alaska Airlines, and plus throughout our industry, lobbied the government really, really hard through social media and then through ALPA itself, going down to the hill through its PAC efforts to get a PSP, which is the Payroll Support Program, put in place to essentially bridge that gap so the airlines could get through to where this point they are today. And what's infuriating about that to me is that, you know, our own company is now looking at, and you, you see it in recent financial papers, is that they're looking at potentially turning a profit in the third quarter of this year. And that memory of what we did a year ago is just seems to be fading. I just find that extremely frustrating. Well, I, I, I just hope all of our pilots understand that as disappointing as this was, we weren't caught flat-footed here. We have been planning and preparing that this might be a, an eventuality. Yeah, of course. I mean, we had high hopes that we could constructively problem-solve and look for every path that we could to constructively problem-solve and, and address the pilots' issues. And this was yet just another path to make sure that we crossed all the T's and dotted the I's and direct negotiations didn't yield acceptable results, and the mediation hasn't yielded acceptable results. But these were all things that we planned for. You know, we've mentioned that before, and I know Ronan will probably speak to some of the, the planning that they've done back in Washington, D.C., but that's fine. We're, we're just going to go ahead and move forward with the remainder of our plan. And, you know, in particular, we'll start sharing facts with a, a much broader audience, with an external audience that we've talked so much here internally on the podcast and to the pilots that I think that now the, the facts of where we are and the facts of where we need to be are ripe for a, a broader audience and for a discussion. Yeah, I agree. And Ronan, why don't you talk about that? You, our respective committees were just in D.C. and uh, give us some information about what, what we did there. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, Will Will made the point that we've been working and and pretty much uh, developing our plan to to move ahead. Of course, we were hoping that this would work, but and we all also were aware of the reality that it may not. So earlier this year, we did start go ahead and uh, hatch out a plan in the eventuality that this is where we would find ourselves. And I don't want to reveal a lot of uh, tactics. I mean, that would obviously not make a lot of sense to do that in a public arena such as this. But I will tell you that um, those plans are in the final stages. We had a meeting last week. In fact, you yourself, David, were there and Tanya and uh, Drew Coyle, um, who's on the SPSC committee with me. We met down there with a lot of national assets um, in, in Vallo, in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, last week to finalize um, pretty much what we're going to, where we're, where we're headed. You'll see a lot more public engagement to get our message out there, um, to you know, to basically show what's going on here. And as for what you can do now, I know this seems like a small thing, but it would be really, really great to see all of our pilots out there in their union, their blue, Alpa lanyard, their unity pin. We also have the scope bag tags. We want to see those out there so the company knows that that is a priority for you. Again, I know it seems small, but it's not. When you see those lanyards out there and you see those pins out there, they're truly unifying 
and it speaks to each other that uh, it lets us know each other as well that we're all in this together. Yeah, it really makes a difference. And what pilots often don't see is the the feedback that we've received from management about those things. They they notice, and and we we know that they notice. Yeah, you know, I think it's important to point out that we're in your lanyard and pin is a positive message. So when you're out there wearing your Alpa lanyard, you know, and you have your Alpa Unity pin, that's really showing that you are out there for the person next to you. It's, you know, you're, you're looking out for that pilot that's sitting in the flight deck with you and then for your, your fellow pilots that, you know, you're going through this career with. So just look at it from that perspective. That's how we see it. This is us coming together, supporting each other and uh, building towards a uh, career that we can be proud of. And next week, you will see us back out there in the airports, like we've done before, to have these next phase discussions with you guys. Stop by, grab a cup of coffee, grab a lanyard, pen, bag tags. Um, You'll see us. You'll see us out there. We're actually planning on two dates next week. So stand by. It's um, You'll see things changing, and uh, you'll see us moving on to our next phase. So we'll, we'll, I think you guys will be uh, energized by that. And just want to reiterate, this is Alpha is a grassroots organization. So we listen to you, get your feedback, what's important to you. And these Alpha national assets just help us get those things over the line. These are, this is support for your contract and what's important to you. Yeah, that's exactly right, Chris. And, and just to be specific, the, the assets that we were talking to out there were people that help us execute on the campaigns that we're about to undertake. Will, maybe you can summarize then what sort of the last week or two and, and what people can expect going forward. Yeah, I think that that's certainly important. And we've talked about certain elements of it throughout this podcast, but I think tying it all together is important. And I would start by saying that we're definitely shifting gears. This pilot group and the MEC should be very, very proud that we've not just consistently and persistently explored every avenue to achieve your goals, but also make the opposite point that it's apparent that this management team really doesn't grasp pilot expectations. We've told them and we've been consistent, and that's been consistent with your input to us. Also that I think this management team fails to see the landscape around them. They talk of competition on routes, pricing, customer service, but they do fail to see that I think they face a very real competitive threat when it comes to recruiting and retaining pilots. You know, these pilots can objectively see right there, black and white, on a contract comparison, that this airline falls short to offer job security and scheduling flexibility compared to the other options that they have. These other airlines are right here in our backyards. And, you know, pilots have options that they can see in black and white. They don't need a sales pitch in any way, shape, or form to see what you've been telling us. Ronan alluded to it, but, you know, this is really the time to start conversations, to start talking on the flight deck, and to stay unified, to exchange ideas. You know, if you do see a pilot without an Alpa lanyard or a pen, that's an opportunity. You know, strike up a conversation with them and ask them why. You know, I think the pilot group really deserves the contract that you've advocated for, and that's going to require that all pilots are engaged and that all pilots are talking to one another and also talking to their elected representatives, obviously. It's been said in contract cycles long before, and this is how we should live our lives every single day. Know your job, know your contract, and if you see a violation, file a grievance. You know, it's, uh, it's been said by chairman before me, do your job and let others do theirs. 
Will, what do you think pilots should expect to see from management in the near future? I would hope that they would approach us meaningfully to address the pilots' issues that, you know, we obviously clearly identified both over time and certainly throughout this mediation process. But I think what I expect is that the management team is going to continue to appeal to the pilots directly with their narrative, same narrative that we've talked about on other podcasts. This airline is unique, that we need less than industry standard to compete. You know, and as I say, if you can't run a race, you don't blame your shoes. You blame your training and the race plan. And we just continue to hear that from the management team that we, we need to work for less, that we need to work at a discount. And I know that while that may have worked for them in the past to, to delay and try to actively diminish pilot expectations, uh, we've heard the, our pilots loud and clear. You are impatient, you're unyielding in your expectations, and you expect a contract that is in line with your peers. And mostly that that narrative just flat out does not resonate at all. Again, there are clear ways to achieve your goals and protect this airline in your careers. We all have that mutual interest, but it means active, constructive problem solving at the table. And that would be my hope, but that's where we have not seen progress to date. What brings us ultimately to a ratifiable agreement is not a narrative of absolutes or ever telling you against a clear industry standard that something as critical as job security is, is non-negotiable. So, I, you know, David, as I always say, in the end, I would tell the pilot group that the path forward involves staying engaged, staying informed, and as I said before, talk to each other, talk to your elected representatives. Come talk to us. You know, when we're out in the airport and you have an opportunity to see us, those conversations are so meaningful. Nothing beats the opportunity to have direct feedback and to have a dynamic conversation both ways so that we clearly understand you. Unity is the foundation of the path ahead and, and us understanding your needs and you continuing to stay engaged is how we get there. Thank you, Will, and thanks to the rest of you for coming in today. Thank you for listening. and, and I. Please take to heart some of the, the things we're requesting. Showing the unity is really the, the driving force that'll uh, help us in the work ahead. You've been listening to another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman, Captain David Campbell. Thank you for listening.